Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foulball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well, because I'm doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. This is the MF for Podcast number 12. 12th episode of this podcast. Thank you for uh, hanging out. You know, if this is your first one, welcome in. Uh, normally, it's just me and uh, Fuzzy Luke. Um, I've chosen to change my surroundings a little bit. I've, I've taken my spaceship and I've left Earth. I've ah. left Earth until the woke leaves. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, today I do have a guest and joining me, uh, very lucky to have Steph, you know her as my nerdy home, uh, big on geeks and gamers. Uh, welcome, Steph. Hi, I do like your background. I think it's funny. You left Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to orbit it until yeah. content comes back. And once content comes back, I'll return. But right now I'm off, <laughs> I'm off the planet. It's just me and Luke in this spaceship. Very cute. Luke with mm -hmm. a big belly. I saw your video on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was sitting here and he just had like this, just all belly just out. And I was like, that's hilarious. It was like, <laughs> those videos too. Those are the best viewed videos I have. Are you a cat? <laughs> yeah, Luke. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely the star. Yeah. I'm just glomming onto his fame. <laughs> uh, so you were just doing uh, Toxic Femme? I was, with, uh, yeah. The lovely Nina. I love Nina. She's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's really funny and, and really kind. And yeah, they invited me on for um, for a couple of episodes. And uh, I'm like going to be a temporary permanent guest. That's great. So that's really if cool. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, Nina, Nina's a worker. She's very consistent. She does like all the right things. And uh, mm -hmm. I watched her just grow. And then her on, on the real BBC, it's like she's she's doing really well. And she's a great person. So it's like, yeah, she's real. She's a great streamer. Like mm -hmm. she can stream and just talk and talk. She's she's a great streamer. I, I can maybe do like two hours tops. But yeah. yeah, she's got she's got a lot of stamina when it comes to streaming. Well, what's that show that you guys do with uh, on Geeks and Gamers? Is it oh, event? Tuesday night's main event. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not talking the whole time though. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, because I have to. Um, I pretty much like I'll inject an opinion here and there, but for the most part, um, I'm working in the back. Well, uh, not off camera, but like I'm working. I'm taking timestamps because uh, when the show is over, I uh, edit a lot of the videos that okay. go out on the GNG channel. So, how long have you been with uh, Geeks and Gamers? Um, surprisingly not long. <laughs> I know a lot of people were like, she's not a part of the team. Um, not long. And I can't remember exactly when either. For, I want to say like maybe four to six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's recent. Um, but I've been working with like Jeremy and Ryan and Jay for a long time. Um, but I just wasn't like ready to be on the team. Um, so like once the time came like in my, in my life where i was able to like really um put forth like the work and the effort to like its max potential then i was like okay i'm ready that's cool yeah i mean they're great guys i just i feel like i've seen you in their instagram as long as i've been following Geeks oh yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I always recognize you and then saw you you know met you at the at uh, the first vegas meetup mm -hmm. and then of course again in dallas um and so how did, did you, were you just like a, like a fan or did, do you know those guys personally or how did you end up? I know like, them uh... Yeah, I knew them personally, um, but I was uh, connected with them like as a mod. So I've modded like a whole lot of, a lot of their streams. And that was pretty much as, as far as like I could work 
would just kind of like, you know, be there and stream because I was working on something else as well. So what, again, like once I had like the time to spare and put in a lot of work because I, I do work a lot, um, not just for G and G, but like, I do a lot of work for Ryan and a lot of work for salty cracker as well. So I'm pretty busy. I keep pretty busy. Um, so yeah. That's cool. Well, I mean, whenever I stream with you, you seem like you have like well thought out and articulate opinions that seem like you're really grounded. Like you really, you genuinely believe them, you know? Oh like yeah. I, I, I like that. It's like, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, we, I stream with so many different people and we all have our opinions, but I always like yours seem very well fleshed out and thought out and you're like concise. I like the way, I like the way you communicate your ideas. Um, and judging by your backdrop, I guess lifelong mm -hmm. nerd, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Did you, yeah. Were you a comic book fan when you were a kid? Um, yeah, I was. I would read a lot of comic books. I love DC, like DC fan at heart. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uber, Uber geek. Uber geek. Yeah. I was, um, comics, I, 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 I read a bunch of them when I was a kid. I used to read a lot of Punisher, a lot of Spider-Man. Uh, dabbled a little bit of X-Men, but then I just sort of like lost touch with it and then didn't really come back into it until actually relatively recently, mm -hmm. Re really since um, kind of discovering the fandom, you know, like listening to Gary and listening to all these other, because I, you know, I, I was an actor for 15 years and I was spending a lot of time in Los Angeles and, you know, I was in the belly of the beast when a lot of this like woker stuff like really began to emerge. And it was like, you know, I saw it in the content, but I also saw it in all these scripts that I was reading. I mean, it, it, you know, we'd read them in class and it would, I'd audition for them. And it was just so much, so much of this, this agenda, agenda, agenda yeah. everywhere. And it was driving me crazy. And I remember for me, the tipping point was when Game of Thrones went bad. Oh, man. Uh, yes. That that was that was it for me. Like when that happened, I, I was just like, I can't with this. I need to go find other voices that are talking about this now. Like I just was I was I couldn't emotionally handle it. And it's, the first yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Keep no, going. please. No, I was just gonna say it's that something it was, for everyone, right? Something for everyone. It's something that you like that you're invested in and you're just kind of like this it can't just be me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was exactly the feeling I had. And the first person I found was Critical Drinker. And his videos and his insight and his reviews were so scathing. It was like, it was like I found a new drug that I mm -hmm. loved and it was like these YouTubers. And so I would, I watched every video critical drinker ever put out. And then from that, I found, I think I found Mauler next his like star Wars reviews. And I was just like, oh, there's people out there like me, they get it. It was like, it was like being reborn. And then I found Gary. And then Gary was the one I probably latched onto the most. I think like I really enjoy all those guys and I still very much do, but Gary's the one that I, I just, I identify with as a guy and his opinions and he's sort of like his broad spectrum look at a lot of this stuff. And that's right. when I, I really started to see that it was like, oh, cause when he starts talking about the comic book stuff, it's like, I had no idea it had permeated comics to this level. That was all news to me. And so that was such a, like a, a huge, revelation and then because of that i've just gotten much more like evolved involved and then like began to invest in comics because I, I i'm listening to all these guys who are so passionate about this medium that i kind of just wrote off and then when i i started getting into it, i'm like oh my god like 
these this is amazing like there's there's such a world here of new content of things that are good and these other dudes who like have such like a critical eye and i was just, it's just it's been a really cool thing how did you find it how did you get involved um i was just gonna say Mahler has some really good game of thrones videos too oh, i don't yeah. know if you've seen them oh, but I sure have <laughs> yeah he has and then there's another channel i'm looking for it right now because i know i'm subscribed to him but he doesn't really put out a lot of content but when like all the game of thrones stuff was uh was happening i'm trying to find his channel um he was also putting out a lot of stuff god what is his name i can't find it i'll let you know i'll find it but okay. um but how like i said everything was like a tipping point for a bunch of people right so yours was game of thrones mine was like a lot of a lot of us right mine was the last jedi and i was just like this is terrible this is like twilight what is this this isn't star wars um so i actually found uh efap i have i found mauler first really yeah and i was i would watch efap all the time i would uh i would listen to mauler i have some of his honestly i've watched mauler's videos like over and over and over for me it's it's something that i can listen to over and over again um but i would uh, honestly like listen to mauler and just put him on a playlist and just like listen to his thoughts over and over again and then i watched efap and i would watch efap a lot from EFAP, I found um, uh, world-class bullshitters. Okay. Um, and then I, I believe it's world-class bullshitters. I'm pretty sure. And then um, from there, I found uh, Jeremy and G and G. And then from G and G, I found Ryan and Drunk CPO. And you know that. And then um, that's when I found like I found Gary as well. You know, and so I started watching uh, Friday Night Tights and just started watching everybody's streams because it was just like, wow, just like you, like, holy crap, I don't, everybody, everybody is upset at Star Wars. Like, it's not just me. Um, it isn't Star Wars. And I, I, I'm right to, like, know that, like, it's not Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Star Wars at all. It feels like horrible fan fiction or uh, someone's, like, fan fiction coming to light and it's terrible. And so I started watching... A bunch of their streams um and then the first person that i streamed with was john talks and i was like when he was streaming now he's like he does very like political things and a lot of shorts and it's so good um he's found his niche 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 niche, niche. um yeah yeah but uh i streamed with him and then i went on jay's channel drunk 3po's channel and we would stream every week so yeah, I, I I wanted to just keep talking, especially when or to actually just start talking uh, on Twitter, on YouTube, um, because I, I would see a lot of like the pushback from the industry, you know, and I would see them saying like, oh, it's just like toxic men. And it's like, no, it's actually not because I'm here. And then, oh, it's just like toxic white men. It's like, I'm not white and I'm not a man and I have the same issues, you know, and I would see like that that whole thing that they would try to pit fans against fans and it's ridiculous. And then the whole thing where it's just like, I'm a woman and I was never accepted in a comic book shop. It's like, uh, you're wrong or you just are lying, yeah. you know, because I would go to comic book shops all the time. And what's funny is that like you found the fandom and you started reading comic books, I actually stopped reading comic books just because of how trash they are now. Um, I think I, I stopped getting uh, my weekly pulls like maybe a year and a half ago. So um, well, you're getting pulls and all you're a real fan. 
Yeah, I was getting pulls and everything. I have like my boxes full of comics and everything, but I just like I stopped because it was just it, it was just really it was really bad. I felt like I was wasting my money and I uh once they started going in a direction, I was just like, no, I'm not going to support this at all. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I still can't find that guy's channel. Um I mean, you know, when you when you when you find it, you can let me know. But Star Wars was a big one. I think for me I I went in to Force Awakens with a lot of trepidation as it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was pretty anxious about it to begin with just because I'm, I wasn't really a prequel fan. Like I, I watched those, they came out when I was in high school. And so I watched them and really liked them, I thought. And then as the years went on and more analysis came, because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like it, I don't really get into the EU, but the original three, yeah. I've watched countless times. I couldn't possibly put a number on how many times I've watched them and how much they are a part of me as a person. And so over the years, the prequels, I was just kind of like, eh, all right. So then these new ones come out and I'm like, I'm hopeful, but I'm not, you know, I'm going to see how this goes. And I remember it was so weird. I just started dating this girl (laughs) and we were on the phone or I didn't even go on a date. We were just kind of feeling each other out and it got into Mm -hmm. some like, weird feminist argument or something it was something about like the pay gap or whatever and i was like that's not you know that's not real you know that's not real she's like what and like we just like (laughs) over the phone and i was just like all right i'm going into this movie and i remember like it was like i was like oh no like as soon as i sat as soon as i got in the theater i was like what if this is bad and then i remember being like about 15 minutes in and i was like oh no this is bad oh no i have to sit here for two hours and watch bad star wars this is gonna suck So once that happened and that was and it was bad, I felt like I felt like I was like like a a Russian agent in America. or So I felt like a person in a completely different culture because everyone around me was in love with it. And I was just like, that was terrible. That was awful. But it was a secret that I couldn't share. You know, it was like everybody loved it. And I was just like, no, it wasn't good. You're talking about like the prequels or or the Force Awakens. Oh, okay, never mind. Oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, yeah, sorry if I didn't make that clear, but yeah, it was like, that's when I went into The Force Awakens and just was oh, okay. like, I, I, I was so turned off. But at that time, like I was already so jaded <laughs> that I was like, whatever. And then, and so, and so I don't know. So it was like this weird like duality. So Star Wars affected me like pretty profoundly, but I was almost just like, I'm just gonna take this one. I'm gonna deal with it. I'm not gonna get you know upset or whatever. Like I'm just gonna let everyone else you know talk good about it. But for the fandom at large, I think a lot of people either they had their blinders on or they just wanted to like it or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think they were kind of like, mm, please give us good Star Wars. And then when The Last Jedi came, that was really like the atom bomb yeah. that I think shook up so much with people and fans. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. I think like I, I was hopeful because I was like, well, shoot, Disney's buying it. That means we're going we're gonna to get more Star Wars, period. Yeah. You know? So I was really excited and I was hopeful. And I did like leave The Force Awakens with, um, I was like, okay, that's not bad. But at the same time, it, you're just copying a new hope. You know? So it, it's just like, it's, it's a new hope, but with a girl. But it's not bad. Okay, let's see where they go from here. And then The Last Jedi was, and I was just like, oh, wow. So it just undid a lot of stuff from The Force Awakens. So it's kind of like, well, okay, yeah, so The Force Awakens wasn't a good movie. I mean, look at what what this is now. And then they tried to clean it up with The Rise of Skywalker, and it was just terrible. And it just showed, um, 
flat out that like there, there's no plan absolutely none and how embarrassing is it for this large corporation to just sort of be like well we'll hire you and see what you can do and then we're gonna hire a different director and he's just gonna shit on everything you did we'll bring you back please clean up this guy's mess it's terrible it's and it's embarrassing it's embarrassing for them because it, they, there was no clear focus no. no clear focus. It was just like, we want to put this out so we can, one, push a feminist agenda, and two, make money on merchandise. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah, you know, and really in a cheap, cheap way. Like, you know, Lucas has always been obsessed with making merch or, you know, like making merch and making money on merch, especially after it made him like a billionaire or whatever. I can yeah. understand that. And like he, he, you know, for the prequels, he created all these new ships, but he created all these new ships because those were like, oh, these are new ideas. You know, like as much as I'm not a fan, I can appreciate them for having at least their own vision. The, the what Disney did was they were just. It was so callous. They were like, we're going to kill off all the old characters. We're going to build these new ones so that we can make all this merch. And then, oh, also C-3PO's got a red arm for some reason. So we yeah, can license that. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was so transparent and thin and really speaks to the hubris of Hollywood. You know, me and Vigilante last night, we did the, uh, we recorded the Culture Crime Fighters. And we ended up pretty much walking through every single Marvel movie from phase one, two, and three. You know, just sort of reminiscing and which ones we liked and which ones we didn't and this, that. And, you know, you see the, the, the evolution, right? Like they were, it was a, it was kind of a long shot when they first started, when you did uh, Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, those were, they were gambles at the time, you know, they were relatively obscure characters, not guaranteed to bank. Yeah. And they ended up being hits and they ended up finding a huge audience. And then Marvel just became this juggernaut to the point where it was like, do they make any other movies? I guess we just get Marvel. Um, and then, and then you see the hubris. You see the hubris start to come in with Captain Marvel and you start to see it with all these other movies. And they, they basically feel like and I think they've thought the same thing with Star Wars. They could just make anything, anything. and we would line up like a bunch mm -hmm. of drones, mindlessly purchase it forever. And that's where I think that rift that 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 the kind of catastrophic rift that has come in, I think, is pretty much irreparable when it comes to fans. But you also see, like, look what it did end up creating. Look look how passionate people really are. It did end up creating, like, these, these I mean, Geeks and Gamers and, and, and Nerdrotic, Mollet, like, these, these are becoming, like, like empires, like, in, right. inside of YouTube, you know? They're mm -hmm. becoming institutions, almost. I mean, a lot of these, we're getting years and years past the first flare-up. I mean, what, Gary's at f over 500,000 subscribers, you know, like, that's significant for a guy who's not just like, hey guys, the new Disney thing or Mr. Beast, like, hey, I'm, I'm eating a lot of food or whatever the yeah. YouTuber kids do. Uh, so it's like, it, to me, it speaks to just genuinely how passionate uh, the fans are, but also just how much, like there's a lot of people who just are not taking it lying down. And as much as it sucks, that content is in the situation it is right now. I think it's a really admirable indicator just how many like passionate and like principled people there are really in the fandom yeah and i think that like not only that but it's kind of the we see the channels grow just because um i, I think it's gary who says it like if they haven't gotten around to the thing that you love and messed it up they'll get there they're coming Sadly. they're coming for whatever you love and they're going to rip it apart and that's what we're seeing right now with the uh, the rings of power 
you know, and a lot of channels are taking off because, you know, Tolkien fans are like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. You're not going to mess with Tolkien's work. And they are. And they're ruining it. And um, it's going to, I honestly, it's going to go down as like the most expensive failure in history because that, it's like millions a show, millions yeah. and millions of dollars a show. And, they and have to it's make already like getting ripped. And they have to make something like 20 episodes a season or something like that. It's not even like a normal run. It's something like every season they have to make like 20, 25 episodes. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to be a failure. People are already pushing back on it. People are already hating it. Um, And they're tired and people are also tired of, you know, oh, we're just going to blame the fans, the fan backlash. They don't just, they don't like that. There's a woman. They don't like that. There's, a, a black dwarf they don't like that there's a person of color over here and over here and it's like no you can't fall on those excuses anymore you're taking something that we love and we're tired of it we're tired of you bastardizing all of these works all of these pieces of art everything that we love and you're just bastardizing just to push a message and it's a message that doesn't need to be pushed we just want good entertainment and the thing is, they, they're going to continue to hide behind that representation thing, but it is not about representation because me and uh, Vigilante the other day, we had a comedian, this guy from Austin, uh, Gabe Davis. I met him. I, I seen him around town and I, I saw him at a bar one night. I'm like, hey, you're that comic, right? And uh, we ended up having a conversation about comic books. Invincible yeah. came up and then uh, something else. And then he started talking about basically representation in comics that that kind of conversation came up and he has like the the opinion that it's a good thing and this that and the other the, but the interesting part about the way he communicated communicated his ideas was it was pretty friggin reasonable and so i was like maybe i, I talked to Vig, I was like maybe he should come on the show and we can have a conversation with the guy and he did and you know i i still don't agree with him but when i heard it from his perspective it seemed completely rational you know he, he wasn't just saying uh you know it wasn't so callous like he had he has his, his ideas and his feelings on it and it's like yeah, some of those actually make sense and then through talking with him i was like oh but even even his ideas are not being mirrored in this content they're not it's not about representation because if no. it was eric july wouldn't be a threat Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Larry Elder wouldn't be the black face of white supremacy. They don't actually give a shit about any kind of representation unless you're down with the, the agenda. And that's what it's really about. That's what it's about. Yeah, it's about the agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nefarious because they're they're basically using this representation thing as as human shields. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we see what's going on with like Ezra Miller, right? What is going on with Ezra Miller? We see what's going on with like Ezra Miller and because he represents like the right things the things that they back it, there's no repercussions for the things that he's that's going on with him he just gets away with it it's crazy um and you know and then the same thing with uh moses ingram you know before kenobi even came out you know they had their they had their they know they knew the show was going to be terrible they knew that what they were creating was awful because it's not a show about Kenobi. It's a show about Moses Ingram's character. And I can't even remember what her name Reva. It's a show about Reva and Reva's past and everything that has to do with Reva. They marketed it as uh, a show about Kenobi and Vader. And it wasn't about, it was, it was just, you know, Kenobi is taking care of Leia. Leia, Leia was in the previews for it, but it was, they made it seem like, Oh, it's going to be Vader and Kenobi and Luke wasn't it was right. kenobi and leia and then reva is there chasing after them and it's her story and her struggle um and they made kenobi look like an idiot and now what's going to come off of that 
a Reva show. And it's just kind of like, mm, yeah, you're going to tear down one character, a character that we all know and love and respect and make him look like an idiot in this show yeah. to push another, uh, to push another show about a, a, with your newer, more diverse character. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's not a good, a well-written character. It's not a well-written character at all. And they know that. And so like, even before the show came out, they had their, their pre-built argument in there that like, Oh, people are just don't like it because of Reva. Um, you know, and now look at the characters. She's getting back backlash. They had the Kenobi star, you and McGregor come out and be like, I stand with Moses. We all support Moses. And it's like, it's not about Moses. Not about this character it. is just terrible. Nobody's saying that the actress herself is awful. The character is terrible, but because they know that they have shit writers, because they know that they have, um, they don't want to take responsibility for that. They don't want to tell you out front, like, yeah, writing is shit. They don't want to do that. There's no a accountability for anything. It's just like, oh, you must not like women. You must not I like that this woman of color is in the show. And it's like, no, actually, that's not the reason. It's just, it's, it's a horribly written show. Yeah. And the, the worst part about it is how nefariously they exploit fan nostalgia in the marketing. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. That's that like, only... that's, yeah, that's a fan nostalgia is real. They just, they market to fan nostalgia because they're counting on um, the feelings. They, they're counting on that um, feeling that you get and you remembering that, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, <gasps> look, it's, you saw it in The Mandalorian, like when Luke showed up, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody forgot how terrible The Mandalorian was. And they were just left with that feeling of Luke Skywalker came back. Oh my gosh, he looks amazing. Look at what he's doing. They were just felt with that left with that feeling of nostalgia, right? They yeah. just want you to remember that. Remember how you felt. Remember uh, when you were a kid and you loved Luke Skywalker. And that makes you forget how terrible everything else is. That's exactly what it's doing. And with the Obi-Wan trailer was a terrible example of that because it was they used the prequel music, which I said, even how I feel about the prequels, I still got jazz from that. The feeling was still inside me. Yeah. They show Obi-Wan on Tatooine and they see him looking in on a, on a young Luke. Right. So it's like even though, you know, it's going to suck that trailer still stirs up emotions in you because it's all those things that you have such attachments to. And the worst part is they know that. Mm -hmm. That's what they lead with, but they will not create the product you actually want. Nope. That's the most, that's the darkest part. If they were just like oblivious to what fans wanted and just, you know, was like, hey, you're all going to love Reva. And they were like, hey, we're not, we don't. And they're like, oh, okay, our mistake. They're like, we know they're not going to love Reva. So we're going to mask with the thing that they do love. And then we're going to bait and switch. And then when they don't like it, we're going to call them racist. And it's like, yep. what the fuck? is this business what is going on in holly i don't understand why are you you're like anti-fan oh absolutely how can they you, are yeah. what other business operates like that they absolutely are it's like most yeah businesses should be in the business of making money and in order to make money you have to cater to the customer and right now they're not catering to the customer because they're not giving the customer what they want which is good entertainment that you know uh takes you out of what you're going through is legit escapism and something that you love. And they're just not doing that because they want to inject whatever, uh, whatever they stand for into the media. And it, it already takes you out of it. There's no real escapism anymore. That's why things like, you know, Top Gun Maverick 
it and the terminal list it's like those are like rarities because it's like holy shit i was entertained the entire time and there was no agenda there it's just good storytelling but they'll take those things that don't have an agenda in it and they'll flip it and they'll be like oh this is just made for like conservative people yeah. and it's like no it's actually just good entertainment just because it doesn't have some underlying message there doesn't mean that it's just made for like white conservative men it's ridiculous <laughs> and I, you know, I live in Austin. It's a pretty, pretty woke town. And even the, the people around here that I know that are pretty activisty loved Top Gun. It's not yeah. a divisive film. You don't have to have voted for Trump to enjoy it. It's just like a good movie. And I saw yesterday that Top Gun uh, just passed Titanic in uh, box office totals. It did. Imagine, yeah. imagine you make a good film and you get rewarded. Isn't that crazy? I know. Huge And rewards. Tom Cruise, as crazy as the man is. He's a professional when it comes to movie making. Mm -hmm. You know, he's in it for entertaining the fan. Imagine being in it for entertaining the fan and thanking the fan for coming to the theater. <laughs> it's It's like, it's so simple. Like I was making mm -hmm. the comparison with Vigil last night. I was like, could you imagine if you had like a restaurant and you advertise like juicy, delicious steaks. And then when people come in and you serve them grass and dirt, they're like, I don't like this. It's like, well, you must be racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> There's no other business that does that, but no, Hollywood, sure. It's like by every single thing that's pushed out right now, that's basically it's, what it is. It's insane. It's utterly insane. <laughs> it's, when you when you just talk about it in those terms, you're like, yeah, like it's like we've been so conditioned to like believe that Hollywood's like better than us that we kind of like, oh well, okay, you know, I guess you know, it's like when 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 it was all first still going on, like. And I would hear about that, you know, and I would hear, I would get all this pushback when I was in LA from like these actresses and these people around me and this, that, and the other who would be, you know, always accuse me of sexism for, you know, not going along with the plan. For a, a while there, I was thinking, I was like, maybe I am sexist. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I have these ideas. Like, how come, wow. you know, it was like, it got so in my head, mm -hmm. like, oh, you hate women. And it's just like, you think about it, I was like, wait, no, I don't. Like, hold on. Like, I know that I don't. Like, women have been some of the most important people in my entire life. There's some of the people that I, I love more than anything. Okay, no, you can't just say that. It's like I had to walk myself through that because it was like, it was, it's so ubiquitous. It's such like a, for, like a, a consolidated effort with that agenda. And they will just, they keep going and they keep yeah. just hammering it. And it's, it's done a number on a lot it's of people. Like, it's like Hollywood is, uh, is the restaurant that you mentioned, right? They're the restaurant making the food. The waiters are like the journalists that are calling you racist and sexist and homophobic and yelling that's a at good, you. Yeah, that's right. Because that's they have analogy. the journalists. The journalists are the ones that like are also on that uh, and movie reviewers and shills. You know, they're also on on that woke train and they're uh, shilling for Hollywood, you know, and saying the right things writing the things that Hollywood wants them to write and and, yeah. and then making hit pieces on the guys and then making hit pieces exactly mm -hmm. yep on the ones that don't fall in line they're not falling line falling in line and their channels are just getting bigger and bigger and how dare they mm -hmm. <laughs> how dare they grow yeah how dare they go start their own community which is what we advised them to do then it worked and then screw them how dare they have how dare they have all of these fans and all of these people who follow them that all agree and think that right just a whole diverse group of people agree with them how dare you how dare, how dare all you? of you how dare you actually be the thing we say we are 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, I think Ripiverse ships soon, if I'm not mistaken. I think oh, ISO really? One, right? It's early August, as I, I recall. I think you something about the 11th or the 12th. Ooh, yay. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, me too. I want to read it. I want to get it and read it right away. I'm so Same. stoked. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we're going to be in Vegas when it gets delivered. That would be. I hope not. We probably will be. Dang it. Right? You're absolutely right. We probably will be. Yeah, we're going to be in Vegas. Everyone's going to be in Vegas like, ah. I know. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if Ripa's going to be there. I'm like, you better bring some so we can read it. <laughs> we're not going to be at home when they ship. Yeah, I hope he is going to be there. It was cool meeting him in Dallas. Mm-hmm. He's a great dude. You know, I'm. Um, I, I check I check him out. I'm not like the biggest fan. I know Vigilante is like a not that I'm not a fan. I just you know it's like there's only so much content you can consume. In a um, day, but, I know. Yeah, exactly. But I know I know Vig uh, has been a been a fan for a long time, and um, you know it's interesting. This whole YouTuber journey, this whole kind of like Star Wars became propaganda, and everything's propaganda, really opened my eyes. Like this was like my gateway into seeing to learning so much about politics the political structure like communism communist influences why it's so universal right now like what's being taught in colleges like all Mm -hmm. it really tied so many things together that i kind of only partially understood here and partially understood there but like this them fucking up star wars man they they could have kept me blind for the rest of my life if they just didn't ruin star wars Right, you see it. You see it in one place, and then you start to see it everywhere. Yep. You start to see it everywhere. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap. Yeah. How Where can they you... be? How can they be getting away with it? Like everywhere, nobody's just saying anything. Nobody's saying anything. They're it's... just going along with it. Mindless drones. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Where did you Where did you grow up, Steph? Uh, here. You grew up Where in, I am in... Now. yeah. Okay. Texas. Texas, right on. Because I, I grew up in New Jersey, and I, I think I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 37. So when I was a kid, like, my education, I think it was just kind of standard public education. You know what I mean? You got, mm-hmm. like, kind of the cheery story story of Columbus when you were a kid, and then when you got older, you realized a little bit more complicated. <laughs> I um, know, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, but, you know, you kind of got this sort of, like, you did get, like, the, the Constitution was good, and this, you know, you got this sort of just standard American education. Well, that, and then... You know, when I went to college, that's when you start getting all the critical theory stuff. That's when all the other new ideas start coming in. And turns out America's actually the worst country you've ever been in. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I I hadn't seen that until college. And then when I moved to L.A. and like everybody was like that, I was just like, oh, well, they must have all just gone to college and gotten radicalized. Well, I work with a dude who's from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and he was telling me that from grade school they were getting that sort of critical theory education from day one. Oh wow they never heard a nice thing about columbus they never heard a nice thing about america they never heard that all they ever heard were all the bad things slavery like it was drilled into their heads that america and was it christian white males whatever the villain is are the worst people on the planet like they've been getting that since they were children which I didn't know. That's interesting. I, my education was all, I went to private school uh, from, yeah, all through elementary, all through high school. And I even went to a private college. So um, I didn't get 
any of that, not even in high, not even in college. It was very much focused on the curriculum. The classes that you're taking are very much focused on the curriculum. There was no outside opinion or influence. Uh, everybody was very professional. That's why I that's why I am so surprised when I see all these videos about teachers bringing all of their political opinions into a classroom because I've never experienced that. Never, not even in college. So I'm shocked by the fact that that is happening and at the rate that it's happening and the fact that like uh, they're not getting any pushback. And it's it's shocking to me because I never experienced anything like that. The teachers always taught what was in the curriculum. Um, they never steered from it. I was never and I was never I was just book taught like teach you in the in the books like here's the lesson we're learning it today this is what's written and we're teaching you and testing you and that's it um there was no stray from anything the teachers never brought in their political opinions the teachers never brought in what they believed in ever yeah i would say that like the only time uh that someone ever brought in anything was you know during theology classes mm -hmm. um because that is just all about your, you know, religious beliefs and all of that. So that was the only time that anyone ever talked about like, well, what about this? I believe in this, it, you know, is this something that uh, is under that, you know, umbrella or something? That was the only time that we ever like talked like that was in theology, was in yeah. like religion. Um, other than that, nobody ever brought anything into the classroom. All of the teachers are so professional. And I was just kind of like, I'm blown away by stuff that's happening in middle schools and high schools. And um, I actually dated someone who was uh, in the Air Force. And um, I live in a military town. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, I dated someone in the Air Force. It's, it's a military town. And like, here is where like, if you go into this airport, into the service, um, you have like boot camp here. So uh, so he, he was stationed here and I met him here. And he would tell me that, like, you know, when he's stationed in other places like California or he has to go there for a TDY or something, like, they'll spit on on members of the of the military. Wow. You know, they'll protest outside the bases. And I'm just like, holy shit, are you kidding me? You know, that's terrible. Who does that? Right. But now that you're saying, like, like they're taught that way and it's just kind of like uh, it sounds it sounded horrible when I when I heard that, but I was just like, who does that? How, how are these people existing? They allow them to do that. You allow mm -hmm. yourself to be spit on. Like, that's just what they believe. They don't like the military. They think that we're, you know, baby killers, whatever. It's just like, what do they not understand that? You know, do not, they don't understand what the military is, what y'all are really truly doing. And that's just how they are, I guess. I'm just like, wow. Because here it's just kind of like, you, uh, graduation every Friday, you see them out with like their families and everything. You just thank them for their service. Like, thank you for your service. It's very much, you know, uh, um, you're proud of your military, you know, proud that they're, because it's voluntary. It's all voluntary. Do you, uh, are you familiar with James Lindsay? Mm -mm. So he's a political commentator. He's very, I, mean, I wouldn't even call him that. He's more like an intellectual. He's, he's, he's similar to like a Jordan Peterson type guy. Okay. You know, very smart, extremely learned, really knows what he's talking about. He wrote this book called Cynical Theories with this woman, Helen Pluckrose, who's from England. And they basically detail essentially 
the infiltration of the education system in America. They focus mo- mostly on colleges, uh, mm-hmm. but they basically detail details essentially how they were, it was infiltrated, how the curriculum, all different departments eventually kind of got absorbed by this thing like the blob. Uh, and basically it's this, he tracks it back and Jordan Peterson tracks it back to like these French uh, philosophers in like the sixties, like Foucault, I think. And these people, I'm not this scholar on this, so I don't really know, but essentially what they, these people did was the ideas behind socialism, the 20th century was the best lesson that they, they don't really work, right? It's just not, it doesn't, there's so many countries, so many failed socialist states, it didn't work. Well, they weren't quitting once that became true. So what they did was they started to evolve their ideas, if you can call it that, uh, evolve their ideas in this thing called critical theory. And critical theory is essentially just a critical lens on all of Western history. So okay. it would be like every everything that the, the you know the, all the West's accomplishments, all the things that you know we pride ourselves on, the actual true you know liberation rights for all, and the, 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 all the progress that the country's actually made. Well, they take a cynical look of all, or critical look of all of that, and essentially they've started this this new educational style, this new educational philosophy, and it really started to take hold in the '60s. That's when you see like the radicalization, like the hippies and all that. Yeah. But they also, they didn't go away and they managed to institutionalize themselves in our colleges for, you know, for the next, until now. And they're still, they're still very much there and it's spread so far. And it's a really fascinating insight into exactly what these schools of thought are, where they come from and why it's so uh, incredibly nefarious and dangerous because it's essentially, it's anti-Western. And it's extremely racist as well. Like it has a very strong racial component uh, because they focus heavily on certain races that were uh, prided. I mean, they go so far as to say that, you know, America was founded for the proliferation of white men only and everyone else was a a subsidiary of that or or some negative, very cynical uh, view of history. And it's it's a terrific read if you ever get the chance. I, I like to listen to stuff like that on Audible. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just a searing insight. I was like, oh, like, God, that makes so much sense. You know, it just connected so many of the dots, like whether it's what happened with Star Wars, whether it's what's happening in the colleges, whether it's like why there's so much unrest and why there's so much anti-American uh, sentiment from inside. The, the, it's actual the, the country itself, where it all comes from. It's such a good book. Can't recommend Ooh. it more. Sounds interesting. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it was re- it's really good. And like I said, like th- this whole, you know, the whole media collapsing and becoming propaganda was really my insight into all this. That's where I started doing any of this investigation because it was so all over the place. It was everywhere you went. I mean, and also I yeah. lived in L.A., so it's like <laughs> living in like Berlin in the 40s. You know what I mean? Was, <laughs> I'm right there. I'm sorry zero. that you had to live in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I moved there. I was, uh, I was like, I was 26, and I, you mm-hmm. know, I was living in New York City. I was like a coastal elite liberal. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, was sure we had all the right ideas, and uh, you know, I, I didn't question them. Thought yeah. conservatives were stupid, and you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, I had this really. And then when I moved to California, I was like, whoa, like you guys are crazy. Like these ideas, it's, it's so aggressive. Uh, and there's like so many of the ideas and all of a sudden you have all these problems with me because of my race. Like I'm supposed to, I can't have opinions. I can't say anything. I was like, what's going on? Like, I was I mean, like, y'all are about to turn me. You're a white man. You can't, of course not. No. 
You can't you even be speak. quiet and apologize. Shut up. You shut your mouth. You just you... be quiet and apologize for even existing. Exactly. You just <laughs> take it. It's like, it was nuts. I'm like, y'all about to turn me conservative. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I got, I can't pay for Obama. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, <laughs> That's how nutty California is, man. They they go yeah, hard. I can't there. even imagine. I've been to California a few times, but like I've never experienced anything like that. And I would not want to go to LA. Never. I don't recommend it. People you know, I talk to people and I don't wear my <clears throat> all my points of view on my sleeve all the time, you know, because it's just too complicated. Yeah. But you know, people will be like, Oh, I'd 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 love to go visit LA. I was thinking about visiting LA and I like delicately try to be like, maybe wait a few years, you know. <laughs> See if they sort their shit out because the homeless problem in Los Angeles is like until you witness it, you can't honestly oh. believe it. Like people like to be like, oh, those are just exaggerations. Those are just the worst areas. I'm like, OK, even if that was true, those pictures are horrific, but it's not. It's like everywhere. Like I lived in a nice area of L.A. I lived in, mm -hmm. the, in the valley in a little area called North Hollywood. Uh-huh. Like, right by like studio city which the property values there are insane it's such an expensive place and under every single highway overpass and la's got quite a few every single one is just the filthiest homeless encampments lining every both sides of the sidewalk just like ingrained filth on a level you can't even comprehend yeah and, and it just it goes it spreads like i during the pandemic, there was an abandoned building next to next to my place. Just that I guess they wanted to tear it down and renovate it. They were doing so much construction. And then during the pandemic, I guess that got halted. And so homeless people would just start taking up residence in this place, you know? And then every once in a while they just have to get kicked out, but it was it was constant. And then there was this woman. Uh oh. There was this woman. <laughs> who camped outside of basically out of my window. And I just had like single pane windows, so it didn't really knock the, the noise out. And all night long, I heard her doing this. <clears throat> all night long. Like hearing that oh noise, to be woken up to that sound, it is, it's, it's maddening. Like it's, you get, you, it drives you crazy. Like it's so disgusting that like the she's retching essentially, you know, she's how like. Is she how is she allowed to stay there? Okay, so I would hear stories about California right and how like people would be living in houses and on the sidewalk would be like a homeless person and you can't kick them out because it's like against the law or some shit like that yeah and i'm just like how is that not against the law how are they just allowed you're paying all this money to live here and you have a homeless in the in your front yard you have a homeless on your sidewalk and you can't it's... do anything about it how is that allowed to happen I, I can't even understand it. I was I called the police, you know, like not 911, but I called like the non-emergency line. And I'm just like, can there be anything be done about this? Like she's squatting on private property and they're like, she's like, you know what's going on. I got my hands tied, you know, because it was like right after, you know, the, the BLM and stuff. The cops couldn't do anything, you know, like what's that? Eric Garcetti just basically was just like, yeah, no, the cops can't do anything. They won't they won't arrest anybody, you know. And so it was just like I had to just suffer through that. So I had to just play white noise in my apartment all, all the time. I just play like the rain on like you know, YouTube. They have these 24 hours like streams of just rain. Just had to blast it all the time so I could just drown out that sound so I could sleep. Oh. Yeah. That's terrible. Isn't that terrible? That is that is ter that's awful. I can't imagine like, like living in that situation. Dude, my Honestly, apartment was like $2,000 a month. Like I was yeah. paying a lot and all the other 
taxes and fees and stuff that you pay to live in Los Angeles. And also, like, my place was a bargain. And it's just, like, it's so expensive. I'm like, I'm paying all this money to live in this environment? Are you guys out of your minds? Yeah. Yeah, that place, I mean, sinking ship. Yeah, see, I went to, I visited San Diego a few times. Um, and I never, I didn't see, like, a lot of homeless. Um, except for, like, when, when I was driving, like, on the highway and stuff and on the underpasses. Like, you mm-hmm. saw a lot of it. Mm-hmm. A lot. I, t- I took photos because I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just unplugged my earbud. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> I had never seen that before. Like, I legitimately didn't think that that was – I thought people were exaggerating, you know. And even in San Diego, it wasn't a lot. Like, it wasn't a lot like like you're describing. Like, I can only imagine how bad it is. Um, and like the videos that I see, like on Twitter and stuff, of the homeless out in the out on the sidewalks, uh, doing drugs and all this stuff. Um, but like I, I didn't see much of it, but I did see it, and I was just kind of like blown away by it. And, and it's you're... also it's kind of like the person I was with is just kind of don't look at him, don't look at him. <laughs> they'll come to the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to just pretend they're not there because they'll beg and they'll panhandle. Yeah. And... Apparently, like in New York and uh, I guess especially during the pandemic when the cops were low, like they, they started getting very aggressive. You know, they started like demanding things, threatening people, attacking people. I mean, you've heard like, you know, there was some like 20 something year old woman who got murdered in, a, you know, just a retail store. Some nut came in there and stabbed her. And it's really sad. And it goes back to like the, the cynical theories thing and all this sort of socialist mentality because and I, I read a book about this. It's called San Francisco. It was about it was written by this guy who's a former progressive uh, and he wrote this book about the homeless problem. And nearest I could gather from reading this book is that essentially in these institutions, like in these governments, whether it be Los Angeles or San Francisco, whatever, it's all these activisty type people. And their sort of the official point of view is uh, homelessness is a symptom of capitalism. So like there is. Like it's just part of the part and parcel just comes with the territory. That's how they view it. So any solution that's actually dealing with the real problem is sort of in opposition to their belief, their worldview. So that's why they just don't heal it right. That's why they don't address it correctly. They don't they don't address the fact that it's mostly mental illness and uh, and drug addiction, that they 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 can't look at it like that, because if they do, uh, that would force them like they like it would force them to admit that their part of their philosophy is bullshit. So they just keep pushing harder and harder and harder and they get really wacky. Like once those solutions don't work, well, then they say, well, we can't fix homelessness until we fix racism. (laughs) We can't fix homelessness until we it's like it, they, they're it's so out of control and run amok that it's like I, I that's why I just I wrote that whole state off. I was like, wow. I'm so gone. Yeah, it's like you, you can't you can't reason with people like that. They don't they, they won't have discussions. You know, you just have to leave. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Austin's becoming now. Austin? That's why we're kind of like abandoning Austin right now. All the Californians are moving to Austin. It's it's true. Hi, Matt, Californian. That's me. <laughs> I mean, technically, I'm a New Jerseyan, but that's uh, true. I did come from California, so <laughs> I'll take it. There is a lot of that leftist mentality here. It's um, pretty widespread. It's yeah. at least in the circles and the, the communities that I, I've run in the year and a half that I've been here. Um, it's unsettling, you know. 
But I will say there's certain things that I do appreciate. The homelessness problem is not nearly as bad, not even close. To, it's like it's like 10% of what it was in L.A. The fact it's, that it exists, though. Agreed. You I know, agree. the fact that because here I don't see any of it. Mm-hmm. None of it. The only, there's the nothing only... like that here. But you drive through Austin and you see it and it's like, what the heck? Yeah. Why, why is this? Why does it exist? Doesn't exist here? Doesn't exist? I don't see it in Dallas. I don't see it uh, when I was in Houston. I saw, I don't know, maybe one or two. But you see it a lot in, in Austin, and it's yep. like, why aren't they dealing with it? I don't understand that. Because they create shelters for it. They they and they enable it. I mean, in in uh, you know, in San Francisco, they they give them apartments and they 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 fi- give them money essentially, which is like a death sentence to someone who's like addicted mm-hmm. to fentanyl or heroin or something like that. You basically just gave them the keys to their own death, where you're supposed to give them something to work towards and, and a reason to get out. They basically just guarantee that their demise. So Austin has similar policies. They're not as bad uh, because they don't allow like the public camping. When I first moved here, it was bad. I was like, Jesus, this here too. Like I live off Riverside, and the whole main stretch of Riverside was like there's like a lawn in the middle and mm-hmm. it was all just homeless all homeless and then a few months after i moved here they they put in the uh, proposition to make sure you can't do that anymore basically so they pretty much i don't know if they moved them but they got rid of all the tents so that's a step in the right direction um yeah but it's real i mean it's definitely here in austin for sure uh ultimately though like i don't other than like the social friction of just being around so many leftists I don't really have much of an issue living here. Like my cost of living is very manageable. Uh, you know, the price of stuff. I mean, I guess there's a pretty big inflation surge right now, but yeah. you know, that's everyone's dealing with that. Uh, but for the most part, it's like a cool, cool enough place to live in that regard. There's lots of enjoyable things to partake in, but yeah, it is one of those things where I'm like, eh, this isn't exactly paradise. <laughs> I'll get you up here though. I'll, I'll, I'll find like a, a an appealing enough, offer you can come check out <laughs> i know because i've told you i'm not going to austin no way mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i'll get you up here but i mean i still haven't been down to san antonio so yeah that's know, true i haven't even seen that town so <laughs> i don't like austin at all it's like now nah, i'll drive through austin to get to a place where i'm going but i won't stop there i used to love going to austin they had south by southwest they had like some really good barbecue some like uh uh, really good food, different mm. beers at Sixth Street. I used to love going to Austin. Now I'm just kind of like, I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you, but the food is still really good and the beer is still really good. And that has actually been growing. Like the beer, the beer culture here is it's something like I, I've never seen before. Yeah. I, I've never seen a city with such a, in lo- like a love for great beer. And there's new breweries all the time. And I actually have like a food and drink channel where I do some of that kind of content where I talk about that stuff. And this is a great town for that kind of thing. And the good thing for you is you get to leave at the end. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. I just can't. Oh, man, I can't stand Austin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stand Austin. It's just it's so activisty, and that's the thing they get. Yeah, everybody... that's why it's like I don't want to go there and just like have to roll my eyes at every other person that I hear say some stupid shit. I don't blame you. I mean, I they know. get people so spun up with this activism stuff. They mm-hmm. they prey on people's emotions and they get them believing this bullshit, and that that they basically just turn them into foot soldiers for life. You know, now they're just they're lifelong fight the power. This imagined 
you know, white supremacy thing that's just everywhere. It's around every corner. Uh, leave no stone unturned. Find all those Nazis. It's like you guys <laughs> live in a fucking dream world, man. Absolutely. Like here, everybody just keeps to themselves. And that's what I love about it. Uh, I used to, I used to say like, um, you know, San Antonio is like a big city with a small town feel. And it's always felt that way. And you can always feel the surge of people moving in. Um, when when you're driving that's when like you really notice like oh yeah we've just got a wave of people <laughs> right now we can feel it moving in uh when you're driving around places um but and when you're shopping sometimes when you're shopping you can kind of feel it but like for the most part people are just like extremely nice extremely kind good mannered well mannered you know you say thank you and all of that and it's just kind of like a, a, t- a small town people leave you alone hmm. they just leave you alone mm-hmm you know, if you're wearing a shirt, they don't like if you're wearing like a, a, a MAGA shirt or a Let's Go Brandon shirt or even like a Biden shirt, Biden supporter shirt, whatever. They don't they don't say anything to you. They don't. There's nothing. You don't say anything. Believe yeah. you alone. I feel like that would not happen to me. I, I yeah. I don't. I I see less Trump stickers now than when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I definitely it's also like it's also regional. I mean, the city isn't like you know, one mass. It's like in different parts of the city, especially up north. You'll see a lot more like you, you, you feel the conservative. You know what I mean? Which is like I and I always feel more comfortable around that. But it's like <laughs> I'm just like, OK, they don't hate me automatically. That's good. Um, but it's like, you know, you I did. I did see like the I will not comply shirts and stuff. But that was one of the other things that drew me to Austin more than just uh, anything is that compared to California, it was mm-hmm. so lenient. I mean, bars were open. Like that was when I. Oh yeah. You know, I visited here in uh, February of, of 2021, and I was like able to go to a bar. I had to wear a mask. Couldn't sit at the bar. Some you know whatever ridiculous thing was in place, but I could do it, and that that was a huge step up from California. California wasn't there yet. We you know, nothing was open. You had to go. You know, it was, it was like living in fucking China or something like that. You know what I mean? You, you go to the mass, like you can't you, you out, even at the, the grocery store. No one's talking to each other. Everyone's all super nervous. It was just it was a horrible environment to be in. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be outside in a park, no mask. People are looking at me like you're crazy. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to drag my ass to prison if you're going to ask me to wear a mask outside. It ain't happening. I'm just not doing it. So you guys, crazy people, think whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot of times it. I would just go into stores without a mask mostly because I forget to wear it mm. you know it's such a like such a new thing and wear your mask okay this store doesn't mind if you don't wear a mask this one you have to wear it this one doesn't you don't have to wear it you know it's such a like a new thing um that I would just forget and nobody would say anything Ugh. I the, there was only been one time where they asked me to put on a mask and it was actually like last month at the dentist's office oh, and yeah. I was like I was like really my mouth's going to be like open in like 10 minutes, but I have to wear it like right now. And it's so funny because I went back like a, a couple weeks after that and they like lifted it. You don't have to wear one. They didn't care um, because it's stupid. It's, yeah, it's, it's stupid. like it, I have to wear it out here, but it doesn't exist back there where I'm going to have my mouth open for however long this cleaning lasts. Yeah. Well, and, like three you know. people are in the room. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It makes no sense. The no, only place that. I feel like they, when I went to the dentist, this was like two weeks ago. They said I had to, but no one was and no one enforced it. So I was like, okay, obviously I'm not doing this. The only yeah. place I think like if I went to a hospital, I, I would be like, okay, you know what I mean? Just for the, just cause there are dying people here. So I'm like, okay, I will wear a mask here. 
other than that, though, it's like any I haven't seen it in a long time. But when I first moved here, there'd be places that would ask me to wear a mask. I'm like, not going there. It was so funny because I was just like, you could tell that nobody had told this lady anything. They just mindlessly put on a mask. That was it. I still was, see them now. Because she was so shocked when when I said something to her. And she was just like, oh. but you have to. You have to. We, we make you wear a mask because of COVID. It is still alive and present. And I was just like, but not back there, right? Where I'm going to have my mouth open. <laughs> like, and she was just like stuck. I was just like, okay. But it was so funny when I went back like two weeks later. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I still see people around here wearing masks. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe people would voluntarily. Yeah, I still see people themselves. wearing masks in their car sometimes. Huh, and I'm just kind of like, they must be from California. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, <laughs> that's what I think all the time. That's like, okay, they funny. must be from California. I, I used to date this girl uh, for a little while when I moved here, and she's just a little wild. Uh, she, she had like uh, kind of you know, rainbowy hair and like a little mullet. And she's kind of like a metal chick. And she told me this story about one day she was driving her car and some guy was like, go back to California. And she's from, she's from like the Houston area. And she fucking snapped. She did not, <laughs> she did not like that accusation at <laughs> all. She's like this tiny little thing too. Like, you know, all, all she could do to attack the guy. It was just like, That's hey. so funny. She's yeah. like, how dare you? What? <laughs> I'm from Texas. Yeah. Well, Steph, that was really fun. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on here. This was great. You're the first guest on the MFR. <gasps> I'm honored. Thank yes. you. <laughs> it was very nice to have you. Um, what have you got coming up? Um, well, I restarted my YouTube channel after taking like a three month, I think, three month break. I took a break for a while, um, but I'm pushing out content again. So, yeah, I'm just making more videos. Um, and then uh, still streaming on Twitch. Um, hopefully, like, maybe uh, I, I need to stream more on Twitch, but I've been so busy. Sure. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's what I have going on, just actually restarting my YouTube channel again. That's great. Yeah. I think it's healthy. You know, I haven't taken a break since I started, and I could totally see how it would be very mentally healthy. Uh, Vigilante took a little break for him. And, and I think that was really good. You know, he took about like a month or two off, you know, and he just kind of got out of all of it. Didn't really watch mm -hmm. videos or streams, just sort of, you know, just went back into the matrix for a while, uh, which I was like, no, that's that. I think that's good. You know, if you need the time, take it. You know, yeah, okay. I think at the time I was just like, I, there's nothing I want to talk about right now. Because ever it's kind of like you had your heart broken. It's like, geez, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I can't stand seeing all of these things that I love just going down the drain. Um, and I like support everybody and listen to a lot of their stuff. But I was just like, I'm too depressed to talk about it. Like, it's just not I don't want to talk about it. But now I'm kind of like reinvigorated. And I want to talk about it again, talk about things again. Um, and yeah, so that's what I'm doing again. Hopefully, I'll, I'll edit my videos a lot better. But for now, I'm just kind of getting back into the groove of, cool. of it. So very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, everyone, check out Steph's channel. Uh, links are below. You can get to her Twitch and her YouTube in the uh, description down there. And uh, you know me, Cocktail Lounge every Friday, although I guess in next week, not this coming Friday, but the following, we're going to be in Vegas. So yeah. maybe I, I might grab, uh, hopefully I'll get Vigilante to guest host for me. Are you going to live stream in Vegas? I wasn't planning on it, but I don't know. Are you? 
Yeah, I can, I'll probably do it for my phone for the at the gathering for a little bit because that's gonna be that's gonna be that's probably gonna be wild, man. Oh, I can't wait! I cannot yeah. wait! Yeah, live stream from like, your phone. All right, I'll, I'll live stream <laughs> from my phone. I, if you guys now, if I if I don't, you know, you and you guys and staff will call me a liar. So <laughs> I, I can't have that on my conscience. So I will do some live streaming outside of uh, outside of the the event. I might be a little drunk, um, but uh, that's I will even do. better. Yeah, be nice and loose. Well, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching this episode. Uh, please press like, subscribe to uh, my lovely guest here. Uh, you know, if you're not subscribed to me, please do so. And I'll see you all in the next one. Thank you so much. And thank you, Steph. You're welcome.